word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. So tell the person next to you, just that simple as you're seated. It's good to have all of you here. You're a great looking group. We're going to start reading out of the Bible in the book of John chapter 15. Encourage all of you to get involved in reading a Bible, uh, some type of a Bible system. I know some of you are reading through the Bible this year, and while we've still got quite a bit of year left, uh, you might be uh, right in there. How many of you are reading through the Bible this year? How many of you are up to date on reading the Bible this year? I know my wife is. She'll say, leave me alone. I am reading the Bible for today, so i leave her alone. But, you know, I encourage all of you to start somewhere. And I heard this years ago. A man, uh, a man said, I read, uh, it was David Grothy. He said, every day of my life, I get up and I read a proverb. And uh, there are 30 proverbs, and so you can figure it out. Some months have 31 days, but you can figure out the proverb. But uh, just one, every day, just read one proverb, start somewhere, and you'll be amazed at what you'll learn in reading a proverb. But uh, what we're going to be talking about today is pursuing your godly desires, and that every single one of us have desire that's in our heart. We may not recognize where it comes from as we live and mature and the things of God, our desires change. My, my desires today are certainly not what they were when I was first saved. My desire when I first got saved was I found a scripture, John 14, 14. Most of you have heard this, and it says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, I took it a little bit out of context, and I said, well, I want a Lincoln Continental. I want to be totally out of debt. Well, I never got the Lincoln Continental, and I never got out of debt until several years later when I learned the Word of God and started applying the Word of God, and then it all happened. So anyway, let's start out with a little humor. This has been around for a while, but it's kind of cute. I like the story. Little girl, and, and Lori, I think about Molly when I hear this. Little girl, uh, age five, was sitting in the living room real quiet, drawing, and, uh, and dr drawing something on a piece of paper. And her mom looked over and said, Honey, what are you doing? And uh, she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the little girl said, Well, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl looked up at her mommy and said, Well, they will when I get done with this picture. <laughs> The, out of the mouth of babes comes a great deal of wisdom. But what we're going to talk about today is pursuing the desires of your heart. And the word desire, desires, means to be zealous, to pursue ardently, to be eager, to be intent. You get excited about life, and you get excited about what you have in your heart to do. And then that desire begins to take over and, and it motivates you and, it, and it's a passion in your life. It's not something that you have to make up. You don't get up and say, oh, it's Monday, it's Tuesday, or what day is it? Or you don't even care what day it is. But that thing becomes a desire and a driving force in your life. And, and, and this message isn't about money because money is the last thing in the world you need to pursue but I like what John Osteen said years ago. He's in heaven right now, Joel Osteen's father. But he said, I've been rich and I've been poor 
and I have found it's better to be rich. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I think that's true. Uh, I've been rich and I've been poor, and if I get my choice, I'm going to take rich because I can sure give a lot more away if that's what I have. But when you really have a desire that's burning inside you, then you, you want to pursue it. You want to be everything that God has called you to be. And Dan had shared about Sam Walton. Some people like Walmart, some don't. I love success stories. It doesn't matter whether you like the person or not. I love stories of success. I don't like stories of theory. Well, my theory is if you do this, this might happen. No, I like to read about somebody that's been there and done that. And Sam Walton had a desire to have a large chain of stores. He even went to Kresge at the time and tried to sell them on it, and they didn't think it would ever work. And so he came up with Walmart. Came up with Sam's, and the whole thing became a multi-billion dollar organization because one man had an intense desire to do it and really gave the Lord credit. And he gained a lot of the information that he used with Walmart. Even to this day, they call one another as um, the employees. They're, they're called associates. He got that from the J.C. Penney Company. He learned that when he worked for a short period of time with the J.C. Penney Company, James Cash Penney, and that was his actual middle name, who started the Penney Company, did so for the glory of God so that he could live out of Matthew 7:10, do unto others as you would have others do unto you, and that he dedicated the first store that he ever had, J.C. Penney's, called the Golden Rule in Kimmer, Wyoming. He became so wealthy and used that wealth around the world to touch people's lives. I think about the desire that Hobby Lobby had and the, and the founding founders of the Green family, and specifically Mort Green right now, who's a very, very wealthy man. They give hundreds of millions of dollars away to charitable organizations and helping people and helping really change our nation and helping the nation of Israel. And, and he started in a garage with a desire, and he had a, a desire to, some people think it's a bunch of junk, but to him it was a livelihood, and now now it's become one of the largest organizations in the world because the desire would never leave him. And you can go on and on with stories of people like that. Now, this is not a message about making money. It's a message of a desire that drops in your heart, and then you begin to let it, let it come to fruition and you begin to let it consume you. Now, God has a desire for all of us. And I shared this with the first service. And in John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, Jesus said, If you ask anything of me, whatever you desire, I will do it. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Will, God wants you to be a fruit bearer. He wants you to succeed at the desires he's put in your heart. But I believe there are some desires in your heart that are beyond your comprehension. I could be wrong, but I'll ask you now in front of all the people. Do you have desires in your heart that you haven't even been able to share with your wife because they're so far beyond your comprehension? Is that a yes? Yeah. And then the tears start to come. You start feeling it right here, don't you? Because you know it's burning down there. I know that feeling. When God begins to deal with you, 
It is so beyond your intellect. It is so beyond your ability, but it is not beyond God's. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, you may be just like Will. Now turn back to him and say, you are just like Will. God's got that desire. He wants burning. And sometimes it'll come almost out of left field like, wow, where did that come from? Yesterday, uh, uh, Friday, I was talking to this man that has been very active in helping us in the Sudan and helped us to connect with Purdue University and is really the catalyst who has helped make that happen for Purdue University to become involved in the Sudan. And he and I are talking about the end times. There are a lot of books about the end times, some that I've recommended to you, uh, The Harbinger, Shemitah, The Mystery of the Shemitah, and some others. I believe the books aren't written to scare us. I believe the books aren't written uh, uh, to, to try to tell us that God is going to come and bring judgment and, and do things to us. I believe that the books are written and God is speaking to people so that we prepare ourselves for what's about to happen. Does that make sense to you? In other words, get prepared for what's about to happen. And that they're really important. And we were talking about that. And, and all of a sudden, I started saying this out in my mouth. And I was like, it was, I was hearing it for the first time. And I said, you know what we really need to do is we need to figure out how to take care of the starvation that's coming on the African continent because there's, there's, there's going to be hunger all over the African continent. And instead of shipping that food over there, we need to start and build a plant over there and have fortified rice so that we can distribute it right out of the Sudan. And he said, now I'm listening to this and I'm fascinated. Does that make sense to anybody what I'm saying? It's like, whoa, this is really fascinating what I'm saying and I don't know why I'm saying it. And I'm saying it to this guy, and he said, well, count me in. I want to help financially. Glory to God. Money cometh. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's always money. There's always money because, as Dan said in the offering, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, uh, there is always abundance for a good work. In other words, if God puts something in your heart, there's an abundance there. So he's telling me that he wants to get involved. I've just said what I said, and I'm thinking to myself, because now I'm taking it out of the spirit, and I'm taking it into the intellect, which is not always good. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to do that. I don't even know what fortified rice has, I, but but I know we ship it. I know feed, feed the hungry ships it. I know they make it. They put it all together. All the ingredients they do it in Oklahoma City. I know the man is connected with Victory Bible Institute at one time. Who's involved? I know his first name is Bill, so he's got to be a good guy. And 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 he's and he's in Oklahoma City. And and all of a sudden, all this stuff starts pouring through me, and it's like I don't know how to do it. But I know somebody that does. Turn to your neighbor and say, somebody knows how to do what you're supposed to do. And so all of a sudden, this guy is saying to me, and if we need some other people, I know some other businessmen. This, this guy is very wealthy. And, and all of a sudden, this whole thing is coming together in a second, a second, and I'm putting it all down on paper, and I'm thinking, God, I, I have said this so many times to God. I have said this so many times. You think that he's tired of hearing it, but he always answers me. I don't know how to do this. And instantly I hear, I do. <laughs> God knows how to do everything. And so what happens then is he has desire that he wants you to have. Now, ever since I heard that, 
I've been excited about that. It's like, oh, glory to God, we're going to build a factory over in the Sudan, and we're going to have fortified rice, and we're going to send it all over wherever they have poverty. And you might ask me, how are you going to do that? I have no earthly idea, but it sure sounds good. <laughs> now, you might say, well, I don't have anything like that. You got something. You got something, some desire that God has put in your heart, and it's beyond you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's beyond you. God is not going to give you something. He'll give you something to do just to test you to see if you do it. But what happens then is it, when the desire takes hold, then we start to pursue it. Was it your dad? And I probably shouldn't say that. Is your mom here? Did your dad say, did, did I, I probably shouldn't even go here. About pastor? Yeah. Did, did he say that? Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that. But, but. What did he say? Because I, I don't want to say it wrong. Or do you, do you want recorded? I don't know what he said. You don't know what he said, and I don't know what he said, so now we don't know. Anybody knows what he said. But your dad does. He's a My dad does. He just said something to the effect, I believe I knew always that I was to be a pastor. But he never became that uh, until we started this church. And then he began to pray for all the people in this church. And literally, he would pray over the people of this church every day, pray over us. And, and he thought he was the pastor because he would call me and say, why are you doing that? You need to do this. Because he, but he was right. Everybody say he was right. He was like the weeping prophet. What was his name? Who was the weeping prophet? Uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Uh, I would call John up, Pam's dad, up to pray over an offering or something. He'd stand up here and he'd just weep. But he had such a call on his life for people and such a compassion for people. And God's got great things that he is giving us in desire. You're never too young and you're never too old. And what I believe, and I know some people preach this different ways, but in Psalms chapter 37, I want to I read this to you. Pam's uh, uncle Gene, who is going to do a Wednesday service, we just don't know what Wednesday yet. But uh, when when he came to us, he was he was an alcoholic. He had lost his family. He was a teacher of, uh, I mean, a principal of a big 5A school in Michigan City. He lost his job. He was living in his car. He was he he was really a bad news guy. And he called us and came to see us in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, asked if he could come and live with us. Went through a 12-step program at the City of Faith and Oral Roberts University. And uh, this was the real 12-step program. And this one was, the final step was, yeah, you need a higher authority. And the higher authority is already established. It is Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you all say amen to that. And it changed his life. And he eventually got restored back to school and became an educator still is an educator back in Michigan City right now. And, uh, but when he came, he, he just couldn't understand. But what happened was the desire that was in his heart became rekindled. And once it became rekindled, see, there are people today that the desire that God has for them, it's been suppressed. It's been suppressed sometimes by the devil, sometimes by other people, sometimes by ourselves. We've done things, made mistakes, and we did things that just seemed to, to quench that fire inside us. Well, I'll, that will never be able to happen. But if God put it there, God will bring it to pass. And for you, it may not be going to build a rice manufacturing plant in the Sudan 
with fortified food, not knowing how to do it, but it's something else that God has for you to do. And in Psalms 37, it says, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I believe what that is saying is God has put those desires in your heart. He'll bring it to pass. Verse number five, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. I spoke with Pastor Stanley Friday. After I talked to this man, Pastor Stanley's all excited about building this factory over there. <laughs> he thinks, I know what I'm doing. I, <laughs> I know I don't know what I'm doing. And I know he doesn't know how to build the factory, but we know God does. So we've got to figure out what's God's blueprints. How hard can it be to get a bunch of rice and fortify it? I don't know, but we're going to find out. And you all are going to be involved. Wednesday night, we had a, guy, a pastor from India in here. This is a giving church. We had a pastor from India in here, and he's in, he wanted to build another well, and, and it was $1,500. We had a lady from our church write out a check, $1,500, and hand it to him. He's on his way back to India to build another well. I think we ought to give the Lord a hand. Glory to God. That distribution center that God, that Dan was talking about, the way those companies operate, they, they, it's all computerized now. And Sam, Sam's and Walmart was one of the first ones to really bring it to fruition like it is today. But, but, but they know immediately how much is sucked out of that distribution center. And they'll look at it and they'll program it out to determine, ooh, instead of having a hundred of those, we need 10,000 of those. And so they back it all up. What if God is waiting for us to deplenish our supply so that he can multiply it back to us? And that instead of giving the dollar that we're going to give, we give $100. Or we build a well for $1,500. I know this much. The lady who, built the, who gave the $1,500 for the well is going to be multiplied back to her, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You have two choices. Follow what you think you need to do or follow the desire of your heart. If you want to be in charge, God will let you, but that's the last person you want in charge. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's the last person. I want to tell you this story before I go on here because God has put desire in your heart. You have desire. But Pastor Stanley, when I was talking to him, he asked for prayer, just going through some things over there, typical stuff that you go through in countries like that. But he was, he was really hurting. His heart had been broken. The lady who led him to the Lord named Rella Shipman died Monday. And uh, I, I had called and shared the information with Stanley, and, and I knew how much she meant to him. I've, I never met the lady, but she was a product of Victory Bible Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was an alcoholic. She's an abused woman. She went to Tulsa, and even though she came to the school that we used to direct after we left, she caught the vision of learning the Word of God being trained in the Word of God so that you then could go out and train others. And so she caught the vision, and God spoke to her as a single woman to go to Cairo, Egypt, and start a Bible school. Her family thought she was nuts. Probably other people thought she was. She went to Cairo 
to start a Bible school, and on a street corner in Cairo, she found Stanley Lonathan and a friend of his from Ethiopia on a street corner in Cairo and said, you guys need to come to my Bible school. They come to the Bible school, their entire life is changed, they begin to have desire from God that starts to fill them, and instead of thinking of all the junk that they had in their life and all the junk that they had done, they started to have a vision, and they started to get desire from God to begin to pursue that, and now Pastor Stanley is helping to change the nation of the Sudan because of of a woman who had a desire to go to Cairo because God spoke to her to go, and it intersected with Pastor Stanley, who now has an orphan in each of 150 children, a little bit less than that, but right at 150 children, that has intersected with Victory Christian Center because God spoke to somebody at Victory Christian Center and gave them a desire for an orphanage in the Sudan, and we had to look at a map to find out where the Sudan was because we knew it was in Africa, but we didn't know where in Africa was a big continent. And then we finally found out where it was, and God said, raise $12,000, and we didn't know how to do it. I have never done anything for God that he told me to do that I knew how to do without his help. Turn to your neighbor and say, neither of you. So once we get used to that and we understand that, okay, if I take this zeal, this desire, what God has put in me, and I begin to release that, then God is going to do the work, but I need to do what he tells me to do. Can you all say amen to that? Amen. Now, in the book of Proverbs, we're going to be reading here in Proverbs chapter 3, because there are, a couple, there are a couple of Proverbs that are so important, and I believe it's where many people are living today. In, in my life, I, I do not know what would have happened. Pam said it earlier. Uh, God gave me her name in the middle of the night. I just prayed one night, and I had, I had lost hope. Uh, I... I had been through an awful lot of my life, and I remember sitting on the edge of my bed. And, and uh, at one time, even, even in my life, during that period of time, a little bit before that, I know what it's like to sit on the edge of your bed and com compliment suicide. Now, you may not want to raise your hand and say, oh, I've been there, done that. I understand that. But, but uh, I, I know what that feels like. To just want to give up, to be hopeless. Uh, yeah, that would sound better than to raise your hand if you ever want to kill yourself. How many of you have ever felt hopeless? You can raise your hand. Okay, good. That's, that's a little. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light of that. It sounds funny now, but it wasn't funny at the time. But I remember when God gave me Pam's. I, I just prayed, God, if you have somebody for me, I'd like to be married again. But if you don't, I don't ever, 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 ever want anyone unless you have her for me. And and He spoke Pam's name in the middle of the night. Woke me up totally woke up, and uh, it's been a great venture. It really has. We have gone from desire to desire to desire, and in between, a lot of tribulation. So when you said uh, tribulation, I thought, oh, we sure have been tribulated. <laughs> turn, turn to your neighbor to ask him, have you been tribulated? If you've been tribulated, I don't even know if that's a word, <laughs> but if you've been tribulated, you're, you're ready to go to the next level, because if you've not been through tribulation, you will go through it if you decide to do what God has called you to do. And, and, but what happens then 
is that we look at the Word of God, and it says, Trust in the Lord. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your steps. I'm telling you, ever since God put that in my heart about a rice, a rice factory in the Sudan, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to draw. I got a little piece of paper I'm trying to draw. I was trying to draw a rice factory. Yeah, how do you draw a rice factory? I don't even know how you draw a factory. First of all, I got a big square box, and then I got a little thing here, and it's like, that's it. But then I realized that, God, I don't know how to do this. And it's like, I know you don't know how to do it, but I'll find people that do. So you don't have to know everything. Turn to your neighbor, so you don't have to know everything. Now turn back and tell me you don't anyway. You, you, you don't have to know a whole lot to hear from God to pursue the desire he has in you. But... If you've been through things in your life, see, God wants to use us all. Some of you are really young, so you haven't been through a lot. And I pray to God, you don't have to go through a lot of things. Some of us are a little bit older. And uh, (laughs) this sounded funny to me because I know I'm a little bit older. Not old, just a little bit older. So somebody, (laughs) now the person that gave me this gave it to me with the right motive, okay? Okay. But I just thought it was kind of cute before the service started. They gave me this. They gave me this magazine. How to combat the aging process. <laughs> now I know the motive of the person's heart who gave me that. But when I looked at it, I started to chuckle and I said, "I wonder if they're trying to tell me something." <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, "You're not aging. You're just like a fine wine. You get better with age." I don't go out and drink wine now, okay? But in all of your ways, we acknowledge him and he directs our steps. And so what happens then is we, we, don't, we don't let that desire that, that's there get suppressed in the process. And what happens is the devil wants to kill your desire. Your mind will try to kill the desire. Who am I? I couldn't accomplish that if people, when, when Pam and I were on staff at Victory Christian Center and God began to open these doors and I knew it was the Lord, but I always wondered if those people really knew what I've been through and what I've done, they wouldn't want me. Can I, can I see the hands of the people you've ever thought th- that about yourself? See, that, that's the enemy. He's trying to suppress what God wants to do. It's like, oh, if they ever knew well, heck, we could trump that. We've done work. I, I, was, I, was, I had a lady in my office one day, and she was telling me about her teenager, how bad her teenager was. <laughs> she was telling me things he did. I said, oh, that's not that bad. I used to do that. And she looked at me like, <laughs> she, looked at me like she was in the wrong church. <laughs> I, said, I said, really, I think the teenager's problem is you. You're going to have to give them a little bit more rope, uh, to, a little bit more leadway there. But... That's a whole nother story. Nobody likes to counsel with me anyway. But the desire of your heart for many of us is still out there. And then once we do it, there's going to be something else. And it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting to get up in the morning and say, oh, glory to God. God just put this in my spirit. I, again, I, I just can't tell you how excited I got when I told this man what I told him. I was hearing it for the first time, and I thought, gosh, that's really good. I mean, it's God. I knew that. It wasn't me. And then I thought, okay, it's trying to get in my mind. Can you, can you relate to what I'm saying now? It's trying to get into my mind to figure it out. 
and I can't get my mind wrapped around it. Can I see your hands if you know what I'm talking about? My mind won't wrap around this. My spirit's got a hold of it, and I'm ready to go. My mind can't figure it out. It's like the funeral that we went to when Billy Joe called me one day, the first funeral that I had ever done. He called me. I was going to go be with him. He called and said, and said, would you go to this funeral with me? And I hadn't been to a funeral. And I said, well, yeah, I had been to a funeral to observe him, but I hadn't done one. And he said, will you go with me? And I said, yes. Twenty Half hour before the service, he had a secretary call back, said, I can't make it. You do the service. I didn't know how to do a funeral service. I'd never done a funeral service. Pam came, picked me up in the car. We got in the car, started driving down the street. She said, where's the service? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> We are driving down the street, not even knowing where we're going. That's the way we start. You know, I, she's pointing at me if you can't see her and said, no, you were driving down the street, not knowing where you're going. Come to think of it, I still drive down the street a lot, not knowing where I'm going. I tell my wife, if you take enough rights, you can get anywhere. Who said that's right? Young lady, you are brilliant. Now... Here's, here's, what, here's what happens to a lot of people, myself included, myself included. There, there, there are times when, when I feel like I'm inadequate to do what God's called me to do. And then he confirms it and says, you are, <laughs> but not with me. Does that make sense? In other words, you yourself are inadequate. But if you take me along and do what I say, you're okay. See, God's not looking for the qualified. God is qualifying the called. He's not looking for your abilities. He's looking for your availability. And it will be the most exciting ride you've ever had when every moment of your day you are being consumed by the desire that God has put in your heart. But if you don't, then you'll fall prey to the way of the world. You'll get into control. You'll let others control and influence you. And in Proverbs chapter 13, it's talking about what happened when your hope becomes deferred. All of us have lived in that area at one time or another where we've lost hope. You've had it happen I've had it happen, and it may happen again. But the most important thing is to get the hope back because the hope that we have is the foundation for our faith. Without hope, there will never be faith. With hope, there will always be faith. And what it says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes... It's a tree of life. In other words, once you let that desire begin to flow again, then you get excited about life. You get excited about getting up. You get, I I know when I have lost my desire, and this happened to me from time to time, I'll start to sleep a lot. I'll start to become lethargic. I'll start to lay around. I'll start to just kind of be blah. None of you need to raise your hand. If I've described you from time to time, just shake your head. Okay. And, and what happens then is it's, that it's, it's hope deferred. It's just put on the back burner. But when desire comes, it's a tree of life. 
The good news is that no matter what you have ever experienced in your life, no matter what you will ever experience again in your life, God will turn it around and use it for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Will, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but it's, it, it really touched my heart when you were asked, you either asked or you volunteered to go to the prison in Logansport to help uh, uh, Pastor Stan, uh, Lamana. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And you were assigned a table and you sat down with some prisoners up there. Yeah. And as you begin to have them introduce themselves, what happened to some of them and how amazed they were and how amazed you were at how you were used during that period? Yeah, it was really amazing. He just, I asked him if it was my place to be there and to give me a sign of if that's where I had to be. And he made it loud and clear that that's where I was supposed to be that day. And you had some guys from gangs there that was a little similar. Yeah. I, the biggest sign that he showed me was that when I asked the kids what gang they were from, that nobody knew that that's where I w- my background came from. And yeah. His gangs, these kids, the same. And here's a guy out of that gang, Amen. tell them about Jesus. I have this sign uh, in my bedroom and uh, uh, that's Tom Blumley made. It's not a sign. It's a picture. It's a football player. But it says, some of your greatest defeats will be your greatest testimonies of victory. And then underneath it, he put Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good to those who are called, who, those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's stand to our feet. Some of you here today have been through some heavy-duty stuff. It's going to be used powerfully in your life to touch other people because God is giving you desire. And when desire is strong... It's a zeal inside us that every day is a new day to get up and say, God, here we go again. I don't know how to design this factory, but I know you do. And I know that if this is of you, you're going to supply every single need. You may not be called to produce a rice factory in the Sudan, but you're called to do something for God. And it's something that is beyond your ability and your intellect. But it is not beyond God's. God wants to use you mightily. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question that you will ever answer. Do you know if you died today... You would go to be with Jesus. He came to die on the cross and to resurrect and take away all of the sins of mankind. 
It is the will of God that not one single person would perish and go to hell. But the key is to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, let this be the moment. You may be also here like that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. You, you may have accepted him at one time, but you know that your life is not right. You know that you've walked away from him. Let this be the day that you come home. And all over this church, if I've described you and you'd say, Pastor, that's me, pray for me. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Yes, 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 yes. I see your hands. Yes, yes. Are there others? We'll give the Holy Spirit just a moment to, to move here. Lord, if there are others, this is between you and Almighty God, but it is the most important decision you will ever make. Are there others you say, pray for me? Yeah, all the way back there, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.